my mouse my cursor there it is there it is <laughs> and we are back for another episode and as you can see there are multiple people on the uh on the feed i have no idea i forgot to look up the number of the episode but this is uh this is like great stuff so we're yeah. we're here but we actually have a whole panel we multiplied people. We did. We multiplied ourselves, <laughs> and none of them is our snurdly yet. Not yet. This no, is open yet. tryouts. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like uh, the Bachelor. So uh, everybody, be on your A game. If you get a rose, you get to stay. <laughs> yes. Yes. There was an offer on the table, though, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Offers on the table. Well, yeah, we'll see. And we don't. We pay well. We pay very well. So I, I, I expect a lot of, uh, you know, good tryouts here. Good tryouts. Okay. But uh, we got a panel on because, uh, well, Jason and I, we had this idea a couple of weeks ago that we wanted to get some, some guys on because our show has begun to shift quite a bit over the last, oh, I don't know, six months or so. And we really started our show talking to a wider group of people, everybody, anybody that wanted to listen to us, really, which was like three people. Um, but <laughs> And so we willingly decided to shrink that. I guess. Uh, so we wanted to be very specific with who we targeted. And we really started to target men more so than anything over the last uh, probably six months or so, uh, at least in our conversations. And so it kind of got to a point where it, with he and I talking, we thought, you know what would be really nice is get some other dudes on the show and hear from you guys um, about all of the kind of stuff that we talk about on a weekly basis. So really the idea here is to get some other, some other guys together and, and ask you, look, you know, what do you think about masculinity today, things going on in society, our culture, all of that kind of stuff? How does this affect you? And what's interesting is everybody that we got on the show, your fathers as well. Mm -hmm. So you're, yes. you're, raising, you're raising kids. So that provides another interesting uh, well, great to the overall mix, I oh. guess. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. So um, I just, you know, for our, our listeners, I'll go around. I'm not going to, well, I'll introduce you, I guess. We've got TJ, Jim, and Don are joining us. TJ, would you like to say something to the interwebs? Sure. Um, TJ, I think I've been on one other time. Yeah, I've been on one other time. Some about friendship, and uh, yeah, I'm up here in Wyoming, and uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, well, we're <laughs> glad to have you. 
Don, how about you? Would you like to say something to the crowd? Sure. Hi, hi guys. Glad to be on. Um, I don't know how, if any of the others uh, have uh, special needs children, but one of my children has special needs. So that's a, might be an interesting uh, sidebar. Okay. All right. And Jim? A long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I've known Manuel since I don't even know how long. How yeah, long? it's been a long have time. I don't even know, 20 years? 20 years, yeah. Going yeah. on 25 years, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So this would be cool. It's, it's, I'm, I'm interested in the discussion because- And I'm you're still friends? You yes, we are, yes, oh, we strangely are. enough. We've had yes. peaks and valleys. We're like, an old, we're like an old married couple. We've had peaks and valleys, but we're still friends. Of course, of course. Like Jason and I, we have peaks and valleys <laughs> every say. week. Every other week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so let's just uh, let's get into this. So uh, what I like to do with any kind of a, of a conversation is I like to set the stage with some with some terminology, just so that we're on the same we're all on the same page, and we kind of orient all of our thinking to uh, to the topic at hand. So really, what I wanted to talk about one of the main cores of what I wanted to talk about today with y'all is masculinity and masculinity and how it permeates through politics, culture, society, whatever. Uh, current events that are going on, etc. Oh, and by the way, you can swear on the show. It, you know, we usually don't swear that much, but we have before, so it's okay to swear if you need to get into it. Um, but let's talk about masculinity for just a second. And I have the Webster, the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of masculinity, and it says here that masculinity is the quality or nature of the male sex. Not of male sex, but just of the male sex. The quality, state, or degree of being masculine or manly. I love when they use the same word to define the word. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I want to ask you guys. Don, I'm going to start with you. When you hear that word, when you hear the word masculinity, what does that, what does that mean to you? Does it, does it mean anything to you? Do you care about that word at all? Um, used to not. Uh... Lately, masculinity has been uh, defined in rather poor terms. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, at the gun show today, uh, my, my oldest son commented that uh, the patches that we see, because there's a lot of patch vendors there, uh, were primarily dominated by patches of naked women or uh, uh, women being in, in different states of sex. And uh, I commented Very compromising to him, positions. Yeah, yeah. I, I commented to him that that probably is an over a, a, an overcorrection due, uh, due to due to the the people they're trying to sell to and the um, the negative connotations that masculinity has recently. Um, I, I've not ever really thought of what it is to be masculine. It's just. I do what my father did. Okay. All right. TJ, what about you? I mean, do you, how do you perceive masculinity today? Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, what are your thoughts? got to agree a bit with Don there, especially on the, uh, it's become kind of hazy, kind of gray being masculine, at least the way it's portrayed in most of the politics and everything else in society. I mean, it's, <laughs> 
I almost made a joke there when you're describing or defining uh, masculinity of, you know, did you just assume that guy's gender or whatever it would be? And <laughs> that's, that's kind of the problem with masculinity now is it's become so gray, but for guys that, you know, have had kids and you see, I've got a son and a daughter, you know, just seeing the differences between them is just a huge, I mean, you know, my daughter, actually she's the one that usually helps me like do fix it stuff where my son doesn't really care but you see in like um you know she'll she'll also sit there and play with dolls where my son will sit there and pick up worms we're doing a lot of yard work today he would go through and pick up the worms and mess with them and play with them and pull them apart and, you know do that whole thing but you know being i would say defining masculinity I think Don nailed it where you just kind of done it. You've done what your dad did. And <laughs> instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, I think uh, we're, we're, we have to go back to us. What used to be masculinity. Jim, what about you? I mean, your, your son is very <clears throat> masculine. If you, if, I mean, you have a, you have a boy's boy. I mean, he's, he's a boy. He's 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 rough and tumble. He's he's a he's going to be a big guy. Uh, he's very athletic. He's but he's very talented in other areas like with music and stuff. So when you think about masculinity, knowing that you're raising this very masculine kid of yours, what are what are your thoughts around all of this as as far as masculinity is concerned? The the funny thing is, and this might come to the conversation later, is that. What my wife and I really didn't, we really haven't had the conversation of you're a man, this is how you have to act. We've just raised him to be nice to people and, and not screw up, hopefully. But he's taken towards, he is very masculine. He's a sensitive boy, but he's always been to athletics, always, you know, been into masculine things. And it's, it's weird because I'm looking back, I didn't really think about it to kind of think about it on the call today, but. It's not like we sat down and said, okay, you're, you're a boy, act, do A, B, C, D. He just did. So I don't know if it's subconscious, like kind of just, you know, teaching him how to, how to live his life, but he definitely is a masculine kid. And he luckily has not had any issues with that yet. Like he hasn't been lectured on, you know, being too masculine or had any issues at school with, with genders or anything like that. So I have a strange feeling that's coming, but right now, Masculinity is just not something I never really thought of. I just, it just was, I, I, you know, I, I didn't set out. I never really looked at myself as masculine or not masculine. I just am, you know, and then ends up being, I like to think I'm masculine, you know, act like a dude most times, but uh, you know, it, 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 up until my son became a teenager, I just really, it really hasn't been an issue in my life to this point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and for those listening, uh, we do have the one, the only, the magnificent Jason Moret is joining us in the virtual studio. So uh, sorry, I didn't introduce you, brother. Uh, oh, you're but, good. You know, you're you're always here, anyway. But what? So what are your thoughts? I mean, having listened, having heard all of this from from our three guests, you have anything so, you want to add? Actually, more of a I don't know to add. I guess as a, as much as an observation. This is really this is really interesting. So, I mean, you open up with a very broad and very, I guess, obtuse question. And deliberately so, you know, what is masculinity? Um, 
<clears throat> and as I'm sitting here writing down, just making some notes myself, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, masculinity is the embodiment of these quote unquote masculine qualities. Well, what are those? And, you know, things that, that come to mind are like strength, leadership, fortitude, honor. And you and I talked quite a bit about honor as actually more, not necessarily a quality, but almost a, um, a principle or a governing idea of how we want to raise young men. And this actually, I think is probably key right here that Don, TJ and Jim are all talking about, which is not, you know, having a, a, a boy or a young masculine boy is not necessarily inherent, even though Jim, I think you alluded to that he was born a, uh, your son was definitely a man's man born that way. But what is key is in how they're being raised, how we choose to raise our young men. And we emulate the example laid down for us by our father. And there's an incredible weight and, and burden, I believe, upon fathers now to actually raise men in that light, because obviously by at least the three of you guys' examples, without that foundation laid forth by you three, and I'll, I'll even throw myself in there, we're not going to raise men. We will raise boys. Um, so I want to ask you guys, how would you, what, what is traditional masculinity? If you think for a moment about the way society used to traditionally think about masculinity, and then think about how you perceive masculinity man manifesting in the world today. What's changed and how it, does masculinity now manifest in, in today's world? Because quite honestly, there, I mean, if you look on Twitter, if you spend any amount of time on Twitter, that place is a cesspool and as, and as well as Instagram and it's really confusing what society wants men to be like. It's very confusing, almost to the point where most of society seems to be wanting to tear down what men are. And I have no idea what they want to put in its place. So thinking about that, what are, what are, some, what are some thoughts with regard to um, how masculinity is manifesting today? Don, I'll start with you and then we'll jump over to Jim afterwards. So go for it, Don. Well, I don't know it, how uh, fathers with of, of girls uh, respond to this question, but I, I, as a father of three boys, um, one of the things I've told them before is just man up, and uh, and I guess I always use that in the in the uh, context of of you you gotta you gotta uh, uh, accept responsibility and and take charge of things and, and make it happen. Um, and, and that's kind of, I, as I think about it, that, that would seem to be something you would, you would want uh, girls to do too, is take, is possibly take charge or, or at least accept responsibility for things. But um, that's, that's always been a, uh, a man up uh, response kind of thing that, that I've seen. Um there's a whole lot to, to, uh, to masculinity though, more than just that though. Sure. Of course, Jim, what do you think? Well, I think as far as what it's become and 
I didn't think about this till just now when you talked about our favorite place, Twitter, is yeah. I don't remember the last time I saw masculinity without toxic in front of it. Like, right. honestly. Like, I haven't read the word uh, online. I haven't read masculinity without it being preceded by toxic. And I think that it's turned, it's been almost kind of perverted into, you know, just jock aggression is masculinity, right? Not all these other traits that even Don talks about or stuff like opening... You know, to be not to be cliche, but you know, opening doors, being respectful, you know, opening doors for a lady, not getting glared at now as opposed to back in the day when you'd be thanked for it. You know, so I think it's just and as far as defining it, it's tough to define like what masculinity is, honestly. It's just, you know, like Don said, you know, you I I've, I've told my son to man up before when you know, when when he's when he's not, you know, stepping up and doing what he needs to do. But as far as what it's become today, I, I, it's somehow become almost a swear word, and I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. And that's something I worry about with my kid as he grows up and is the way he is. You know, if that's going to be a detriment in the future when it shouldn't be. You know, one of the things that I, that I get really nervous about is when we do say things like man up, um, because if, you're, if your significant other there, if your spouse or wife is there and hears you say, just, just man up, you know, it, it almost becomes like a cringe moment. Like, Oh, are they going to take it the wrong way? Now I'm just so hypersensitive over just trying to be a man because society has basically been out there. People have been out there saying men suck and therefore you can't be a man. And therefore to act like a man is, is a bad thing. But, right. but look at some of the statistics related to father absentee in the home. Um, 90% of homeless and runaway children uh, do not or did not have a father in the home. 85% of kids uh, who have behavior disorders do not have a father in the home. 85% of all youths in prison did not have a father in the home. 71% of all high school dropouts did not have a father in the home. If you don't have a father in the home, 120% at greater risk to become a subject of child abuse. Um, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. If you have a daughter, that's frightening. Um, there, there's a tremendous need for fathers in, in the home, and yet society wants to tear down this concept of, of father. I mean, Jason, you're kind of like smiling at me right now, sort of. Uh, what, what are your thoughts around all of this? Well, <clears throat> Uh, to speak to your statistics, sir, um, we have actually done an episode talking about that very thing. Right. So uh, I, I guess I'm not overwhelmingly shocked by the statistics other than, I'm sorry, when you said um, the the one about child abuse, if I could mm -hmm. have you repeat that one, because that seems contrary to everything I've heard about the problems with toxic masculinity, i.e., Kids are beaten the hell out of at home by drunken, testosterone-ridden, masculine, over-the-top, um, what did Jim say, jock aggression fathers. That's who yeah. beats the hell out of kids. But if I just heard you correctly, you said you're 85% more likely to suffer child abuse if you uh -huh. don't have a father in the house? 120%. I greater apologize. Risk to become a subject that of child abuse. That seems counterintuitive to me. Now let's um, let's not let's let's not overgloss, right? There are fathers that are just terrible. Well, there, sure, there, there are fathers that are terrible. They're alcoholics or whatever. They do some some fathers do beat their kids, 
but so do some mothers. I mean, I just saw an article just last week that uh, some mother drowned her four children um, in a lake. I think it was in a lake or might've been a bathtub. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. She drowned them, but her defense was she drowned them softly. Oh, that's ma that makes it all better. She did it softly. Therefore they weren't thrashing around. And, and it's just, so these kinds of things do happen with both sexes, but yeah, go, go ahead. Continue with, with your rant. So no, uh, I, yeah, it just, um, I, I'm, I'm not shocked. Um, not necessarily surprised. And, but yet to, I have to, to disagree with the point that you made. Okay. Um, you said that society, you don't know what society wants men to be. I don't believe social media, social media wise. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's let, I think it's very important that we clarify and, and I'm yeah, going to, you're right. I'm going to use right. the panel here to either um, confirm or contrarily contrast what I'm going to say, because I believe that society as a whole is freaking begging for real men and begging for men to be raised as men. And the absolute bull crap that we hear on Twitter and Facebook and the rest of the social media and some of the mainstream media is absolute garbage and represents, I would say, roughly about 5% of the population. All right. So what do you think about that, TJ? Well, <laughs> I, I would say... Uh... Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a very small percent of the population, but they got the loudest voices. You know, you've got social media that's constantly pushing out. Well, they the what is it? The algorithms that basically push certain ideas, certain certain perspectives to the forefront. And I think what ends up happening, and some that I've talked with my wife and actually probably Jason, I'm sure I'm talking to you about it and probably your brother too. Um, talking about how social media gives you a, a soapbox for everybody to agree with you. And so you've, you've gone away from people basically, you know, it used to be you were in a group of friends and somebody had a stupid idea or said something stupid. You said somebody else in the group said, dude, you're an idiot. It's not true. And you, and you got automatic feedback at that point. Now you go on social media, type something out, and you're going to find somebody somewhere in the world that agrees with that opinion. And you've got, yeah, I don't want to upset anybody, but feminists, I don't think I'll upset anybody here. But you know, Oh, I'm going to go there in just a minute. So keep going on that train of thought. <laughs> so I was going with, you know, feminists jump on here and, you know, it's, they, they scream about the patriarchy and how terrible it is and, you know, how it's destroying womanhood. And, you know, you, you look back in history, it's the patriarchy that did great things. You know, we have cars, we have skyscrapers, we have tons of technological advancements. And I'm not saying that women weren't involved in any of those, but I would say a, a good majority of it was men pushing forward and being inventive and industrializing the world. Okay. Well, Jason, I'm curious. I mean, you say that, that society is begging for, for real men. Where, where's your proof around that? Where's my proof? Yeah. Where, you know where, me. Where do you... I, don't, I don't talk from a place of facts and data. I talk from sentiment and, and good old-fashioned 
talking to people. <laughs> I mean, I want to, I want to believe you, but you know, no, I, just, I, appre- I, just... I can appreciate that, that, um, that grounding. So thank you very much. Um, no, what I, in the people that I talk to and keep in mind, I talk to a lot of people, um, throughout my daily, daily walk. Um, I know a lot of men and a lot of women, and I've heard this growing up my entire life. I don't believe this is anything new. And, and I'd challenge anybody out there. Tell me how women, women are constantly pissing and moaning that men aren't men anymore. That they're a bunch of whiny little boys who still want their mommies. I've heard that, and I'm sure all of you have. That's not the kind of masculinity that I believe women are looking for. Um, nor is that the kind of masculinity that I think men are trying to raise or emulate in raising their sons. I mean, like Don pointed out, you know, um, he, he said that um, you use the term man up with your sons. I think I heard that growing up. I, I'm going to guess probably everybody here has heard that from their father. Suck it up, man up and deal with it. You know what? That's that's acceptable. And you can do that with a boy. I mean, one of the greatest insults that you could you could give a little boy when I was growing up or me was, you know, it's kind of the old, uh, you play ball like a girl. That's insulting. And you're going to turn it around because we don't want to be girls. We want to be men. It's inherent in us. Now, you can't flip the argument as proof positive and say, well, here, little girl, you play ball just like a boy. She'd probably go, well, thank you, mister. It doesn't work the same way, but women and I'll, and I'm not going to attack the feminist outright, but I will point this out. I believe women want men to be men because it makes them stronger women. When women don't have to fulfill the roles of both genders at the same time, I believe that allows them to strengthen their own positions even further. And without a supportive man to do that, women will fall flat. And I'm, I'm saying that as a married man, because without my wife, I'm going to fall flat. I need a good woman to make a good man out of me and keep me that way. That's why the um, sexual opposites work in that contrasting relationship and a supportive relationship going forward. Don, what do you think? I mean, do, do you see that, that masculinity or men, true men are needed in, in society today? Of course they're needed. Um, I, I see that it's been under attack though for so, so very long that um, at this point, society doesn't really know what it wants. You've got uh, teachers that have been uh, basically trying to uh, punish out any, uh, or drug out. They, they, boys that are acting like boys get, uh, get placed in a, in a category where they get, uh, ADD drugs and that type of thing. You've got, uh, I lost my train of thought, but, um, yeah, I, it's, it, it, it seems uh, oh, back on the train. Uh, um, you've got black lives matter organization that says they want to, they want to get rid of the, the family unit, which the only thing I can think of that they want to do is remove men from the household. Uh, everything that we see now is telling us not to be men and, and, and the need is even greater than ever. 
Jim, I, I have a question for I have a question for you. So this was brought up a little bit ago, and I don't remember who actually brought it up. Um, I know Jason said something about you know play like a girl, and if you told a girl to play like a boy, they probably wouldn't that wouldn't matter so much. So so let's shift this slightly to gender norms. We we you we've all heard the term of a girl who's a tomboy, uh, so and we know that that is perfectly acceptable. I mean, I I've always felt even when I was a little kid, that if a girl was more of a tomboy, that that was okay. Uh, but there was never a sense that a boy could be a, a, a Sally girl or Jane girl or whatever you want. I don't know what to call that. What would be the opposite of that, right? Wearing dresses and, and all of that kind of stuff. So in terms, of, in terms of gender norms, how important are gender norms for boys to act like boys and girls to act like girls? Oh, that's a tough one because um, I think that even your most you know masculine men can have some sort of femininity. Femininity, God, I speak well. That's that's having me on a podcast because how well I speak. Um, femininity, I can't. Okay, act like a girl. Um, I think we all have <laughs> a little bit of both genders in us um, to a point, but I we've had these discussions. I I, I don't want to say like if my son all of a sudden took on like he said he wanted to bake or he wanted to sew or something I wouldn't tell him no because right. I think that's okay because he's just you know if that's something he digs then why not um so I think it's changed a little bit to where to your point like back in the day you know if somebody if, if there was the opposite of you know a tom girl or however you want to say it, a sally girl that wouldn't go down at all the kid would be you know back to be blunt back when I was in school if that happened you, the kid was called gay or whatever right and yeah and mocked whereas the tom girls weren't um so i think it's important and i have a, a weird perspective on this i don't know if we, we've talked about this a little bit i have family members that are all over the spectrum the gender sure. spectrum i think we've discussed that a little bit mm -hmm. so my view is a little skewed because I, I come very much from a be whoever the heck you want to be as long as you don't hurt anybody doing it um but i would never tell my child not to be a man i would never tell him you know you need to act more neutral or something like that because I think boys are boys and girls are girls. And there are some rare, there are some rare cases where that might shift a little bit. Not I'll acknowledge that, but generally speaking, there should be nothing wrong with being a boy or being a girl. I think it's important that you're born that way. So Honestly. we can we can exhibit like men can bake or cook or um, you know do sew etc. I, I think we've. Uh, hell, I remember being in high school and 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 in football, and them talking about uh, wanting to give all of the football players dancing lessons because it, it teaches you how to be a little bit more graceful and and move and have more conscious movement over your own body and everything. But is there a line in terms of okay, now you're exhibiting, you're not exhibiting enough gender norms, and and is there a reason for those gender norms? Um, because if somebody says, well, this boy wants to wear dresses all day and wants to actually go to school in a dress, 20 years ago, we would have said, no, you're not wearing the dress to school. But today people are like, well, why is that such a big deal? Let them wear the dress to school. TJ, what do you think about that? Got to drop that one on me. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't let my boy wear a dress to school. Why? I just, why not? Yeah, why not? it's not a traditional male clothing item i mean don't get me wrong i've worn a kilt before but 
that's not the same thing. A kilt is not a dress. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Why is it not? I, you know, I'll be honest with you, man. That is hey, super comfortable. You, 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 you know, dang good and well where you're headed. You better watch your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come to you in a second. But it's true. I mean, if you wanted to wear a kilt, you would probably say, "Dude, wear the kilt." Wear the kilt. But if you said, I want to wear the skirt, you would say, no, you can't wear, you the don't skirt. wear a skirt. Why? Why is that different? Why is that important? <sighs> Anybody else feel free to jump in there too. Help TJ throw him a lifeline. Yeah, seriously, man. Uh, I would say for, <laughs> for me, it's, it's not even necessarily that I would just say no. I just don't see my son doing that is also part of it. Like my daughter, we were going to the Home Depot this weekend. You know what she threw on? She threw on little tutu leggings and a little frozen t-shirt. My son threw on a hoodie, cowboy boots, and um, camo pants. I didn't tell him how to dress. I even kind of looked at my daughter like, that's what you're going with, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but if your son had dressed like, like that, what would you have done? I mean, I've had, I've, I've, he's got a daughter. And I've had him dress like that before. I mean, I remember one time they actually switched outfits. You know, my son's sitting there with his, with his sister's shirt, you know, showing his belly button and everything. But that was just because it was funny. And they even recognized it as just being funny and out of place and odd. Jason, where do you draw the line with gender norms? And why are they important? Or are they important? Sorry. I got I my brain got stuck in picturing TJ's son in his his daughter's outfit and vice versa. So I'm sorry. You'll have to ask me that question again. Could you please repeat? <laughs> what are the important are, are gender are gender norms important? Yes. Why? Well, as you and I talked about games just this last week, mm -hmm. um, games have a certain set of rules by which all players play. Well, society in this great game we call life, we have our own set of rules and societal norms, which are the rules that we all agree to play by. And like it or not, at least up to this point, there are societal norms in regard to gender, which do govern behavior. And I think the underlying issue with attacking um, societal norms in regards to gender is it actually destabilizes the foundation of society. And therefore, that destabilized society has no place to look for stabilization and guidance than those who openly control the narrative. So that's a little bit more, I guess, deep than maybe you wanted to go. But I believe the attack on societal norms in our family structure um, really does lend to the fact that, that our way of life, our um, family units are those things that define us as a country, as a society, as a people is absolutely under attack. Don, go ahead. So I'm going to play devil's advocate there. Um, we've think back to the sixties. We didn't have talk radio and Twitter and that back then, but yeah, at that point, uh, we were changing societal norms on, on, on race relations and stuff like that. And at that point, you've got to uh, assume uh, that uh, a good portion of the society was uh, saying stuff like, no, this, we, we can't do this. This, this, we're changing societal norms. So we need to figure out 
how how do we how do we figure out where the whether whether this is a societal norm that we need to keep or not? AJ, I was going to ask you, Don. Uh, would you say that's kind of where things started to break down? Is in the '60s where we started to see not just the degradation of masculinity but also femininity. You know, you started seeing more mothers and wives no longer stay in the house. You started to see more men stay in the house. You started seeing more more women go and work at a factory. I mean, do, do you think, because that's where I kind of saw it start to break down is where I would see timeline-wise. And I would say that nowadays it's the social media that's just made that 10 times worse. I would agree with you that, that yes, that's probably where it started, but... Uh, you, on the other hand, I mean, uh, race relations, and I, I, I would, I would absolutely say that the 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 elevating of of black people to person status, to uh, and and the the success that we've had in in integrating our society is, has been a good thing. So I want to shift gears slightly on this. So, so thinking about masculinity, we often, I, Jason and I have talked about on the show before where, where there's this sort of um, the, the other side, the flip side of masculinity is really this whole concept called honor. And, and what is what, so what is honor? How does that relate to being a man? Um, and, and so does anybody have a specific view of what they think honor is or what honor should be or what being honorable should mean in all fairness i've already tried to answer this once so you guys you need have. To jump in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you did a very bad job at it I thank mean, you no, just thank kidding. you <laughs> no that's fair <laughs> well that's a multifaceted thing there i mean you've got keeping your word uh sure. all the time i i okay. my my middle son, I'm forever on him. I have to be able to trust you. You cannot lie to me. Um, uh, you've got doing stuff like the opening of doors. I still do that. And I still teach my kids to do that, whether the person that they're opening it for wants them to or not. Um, uh, you've got the, the keeping, um, uh, calling people ma'am and sir, and, and that type of thing and respect for, for those who are older than you, regardless of, of uh, whether they're male or female, I, that, those are just things that come with it, that, that kind of come, come from that uh, honor thing. So trustworthy, uh, truthfulness, respect, uh, being respectful. Uh, Jim, I saw you nodding your head. I mean, are there any other characteristics that you would think that would go along with honor? I know Jason's probably, he was writing all furiously. He was like, I can see the smoke coming up off of the pen. But <laughs> Jimmy, it's funny when you talk about trustworthiness. I mean, the phrase is being a man of your word, right? So it kind of lends right into what we're talking about. So like, as far as from a masculinity standpoint, I think that phrase, being a man of your word, says a lot. And I think Don covered a lot of it, just doing what you say you're going to do and taking, and I, I look at kind of a, a further extension and helping out your friends and family too. It's like, I think there's honor and 
you know, if, if you're, you know, if your friend is down or your family's down, if there's something you can do, I think there's honor in reaching out and helping them too. I think that's part of honor. It's not just your own personal honor, but extending that to those around you. I like that, kind of small, like concept of like opening doors or just by, you know, we, I mean, like as friends, you know, our friends, you know, growing up, not growing up, but together we took care of each other all the time. Oh, we yeah. didn't even think about it. We just did it because it was the right thing to do. And we were, you know, we were bros basically. Yeah. 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 Jason, what do you, what do you got? What do you got? Cause you were, you were writing furiously there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing again, a, a common theme that um, honor is not, it's not a unit. It's not a singular characteristic. I don't believe. I, I, I believe honor is a, a overarching code of conduct. It's a, a principle or value that encompasses many, many facets of the, the, the male characteristic, um, keeping your word, you know, being, being truthful and being trustworthy, that's part of it, but it's not enough because I think, I think if I say, you know, if you're true to your word, it, that's different than someone knowing that your word is your bond and it is an unbreakable sacrament. And I believe that honor tends to lead more toward the latter rather than just saying what you mean and meaning what you say. But without the former, you can't do the latter. So I think that's vitally important. Chivalry, as Don was alluding to, opening doors and, and being chivalrous, to the, to, especially to ladies. Sorry, that's, that's a part of it. Um, respect for your elders. Uh, Jim was alluding to um, taking action and being a man of action. You don't sit on your hands when you see someone in need. Um, and that's not necessarily stating charity as, as a core, but being willing to give that hand up when needed, not the hand out when unnecessarily warranted. But those, there's, there's a lot of those elements that I believe fall into honor as a, like I said, an overarching code or value. Now, now you, 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 you differentiated the difference um, between being trustworthy and being true to your word. And I totally get it. And you said that, that trustworthy wasn't enough, that you had to be true to your word. But I would argue that any of these, if you were only one of these, and, and I wrote down trustworthy, truthfulness, respectful, charity, true to your word, chivalry, take action, that even just one of these, if, if a man exhibited only one of those characteristics, that's still not enough. Even if that one characteristic were true to your word, that's still not enough to be honorable. Thoughts about that, TJ? I think the hardest thing about honor, especially when we're all trying to define it, you know, we're all defining, we're all using the same exact words. I think the hardest part about it is we just automatically do it. We don't even think about it on a regular basis. You don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I'm going to be honorable today. You just, why? why not? Why would you need to? You, you've lived your life. You know, you've been raised correctly. You've, you just do it. Shouldn't, shouldn't a Christian, let's say, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but shouldn't a Christian wake up and say, Today, I'm. what can I do today to be Christian? Or shouldn't a Jewish person, person wake up and say, I'm going to be the best Jew that I can be today? Why wouldn't a man wake up and say, I'm going to be the most honorable person that I can be today? Why wouldn't you? 
I guess I just don't see it as something you need to tell yourself. I would say you wake up and you do it. Okay. I think right. that that's, it's hard to say that you would wake up and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't do your daily routine and do your morning prayers and do your morning, you know, tr- your shit shower and shave and do all that stuff. But that's just you getting ready for the day. I think that's just part of what you're doing. Jim, did you have something you want to chime in there on? No, I, I think something else, um, being as how Lord knows I'm not perfect. And so, you know, I think another part of honor is basically owning your shit. Like, if you're not, let's say, let's say some reason you do mess up and you're not true to your work for some reason, or you're not chivalrous, or you're not any of the things we talked about. It's important to be able to. I think it's also honorable to say, you know what, I screwed up, and you and, and own it. And I've tried to do that in my life because, you know, as a younger man, I might not have been the best example. But, you know, yeah, I think Among it's just important. To, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, perfection is always a nice goal for us to have. Sure. But I've never met a perfect person, except yeah. me and my wife. She's listening. Yeah. But you know, I've never met a perfect person, so. <laughs> Recover. So I think you got to be able to you, you got to be able to be honorable when you're not perfect either. I think that's I think that's a big part of it. Okay. All right, Don, you have something to say on that? Um. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying that that you that it should be uh, that that you should make a conscious decision to do that. But I just don't I I don't see my father having gotten up and going. I'm going to be honorable today. I I, I get I. I it seems to be one of those things that just this is how it is it is taught into you as part of your character and you just do it uh similar to 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 being a christian i i i when uh, when a friend asks me to pray for him i'm just gonna pray for him i'm not gonna uh question it i'm just gonna do it i it's it's one of those things you just you just do because you've you've been taught to do that all your life. Jason? Oh, TJ, you first, then we'll go to Jason. I was just going to say kind of a little more on what I think Don was getting at. I think it's also what our, what our fathers did. You know, and I don't sit here and talk to my son and go, you know, you got to be, you got to be good. You got to do this. You got to do these certain steps. I think a lot of what you do as a father is just being there you know you talked earlier about fatherless homes you know and the child abuse and I did want to actually ask a question is the child abuse victims of child abuse or people actually abusing children the the statistic is around being the victim of child abuse. okay but I think that's a big part of how we learn to be honorable and masculine is being around our fathers. And, you know, I, I know even as I was a younger kid, my dad would not, not, not beat into me this idea of hard work, but he would just do it. You know, he was the guy that came home at five, six o'clock at night and he was beat. He did hard labor. He was a landscaper and in Arizona of all places. But, you know, I saw that hard work. I saw that effort. I saw you know, he treated my mom with great respect. My parents didn't argue in front of me. I know they argued, but I didn't see him do it. But whenever my parents were together and, you know, my dad always thanked her for making dinner, thanked her for cleaning the house. He was very just 
very respectful of my mother. And then you just kind of learned and you picked up on what you were doing. I don't think there was any conscious effort. It just, you just did. I'm sure there was points where you had to think about it and you had to try to be a better man. But for the most part, it was just him being him. And I've done the same with my son. I try my best to be here, work hard, show him what I'm doing. And I think that's a huge part of uh, how we've learned to be honorable men. Jason? So <clears throat> I, I can respect what TJ is saying. And I think Don um, is in agreement, to, at least to the most part, to believe that Really, it's, it's about getting up and, and just living the life and being the honorable in your action and not in your thought. And, and I can absolutely appreciate that. I would, I guess, offer a, an amendment to that in something I think I've noticed, at least in myself, just in the last, oh, I don't know, year. Um, just actually in the time you and I have been doing um, this podcast, by being more by actually discussing and talking about subjects, even like honor, um, it makes me a little bit more, I guess, hypersensitive to situations throughout my daily life where I may not have otherwise acted in the most honorable and upright way. But because that thought is in my mind, it's, it's caused me to change my behavior. Um, I'll give you an example. Thursday night. I came home from Lodge, had been around some very good men, um, and I had a situation at work come up that I really did not want to deal with at all. It was an absolute nightmare, um, and I dealt with it for a very little bit, and I said to heck with it, and I put my phone down, and I'm going to bed, and I'm lying in bed, and of course, it's weighing on my mind, and um, I reached over to grab my phone, and actually, where my phone was is this coin that a brother of mine gave me. Um, that said, um, the obstacle becomes the way. And it was actually a little reminder to me that even though I couldn't fix this situation for everyone, and I was dealing with people that were not dealing with the problem the way they should, the easy thing for me to be, was to go, you know what? It's 12 o'clock at night. I'm going to bed. I will absolutely deal with this, but I'll deal with it in the morning. That have been the easy thing. The hard thing was for me to get up and, and make a, uh, two phone calls and say, I cannot fix this tonight, but here is what I'm going to do. It didn't do anything other than reassure the people that I actually work day to day with that I'm aware of the problem. I'm going to do what I can. This is the limits of my conduct of what I'm able to accomplish tonight. And I will pick this up first thing in the morning. You have my word. I can control my own conduct in a very tumultuous situation, or I can allow others to overtake my own sense of honor in action in that. And it would have been very easy for me to let that go. But because I believe I've been a little bit more hyper aware of situations like that and how to act in the best character I can exemplify, I said, I'm not going to be able to go to bed unless I do everything in my power to say, this is what I can do for me in my own rectitude of conduct. Then I slept through the night. Don, go ahead. Do you think our, in a, our, our, our lack of, of deciding to follow, uh, to be honorable has anything to do with a lack of, of honor being uh, a, a laid out set of rules. I mean, in the middle ages, they had a code of honor 
they had a code of chivalry in that and, and there was uh, a a set of rules you would go okay this is what i have to do to be do a, a b and c and i'm honorable is is it because we don't have a a a, a preset code out there on the wall somewhere stapled there that 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 we don't get up and go uh oh, i need to be honorable today well that's that's a valid point um however i i'd point to at least one example where i say we absolutely have that written out literally in stone and it's called the 10 commandments i mean i'm i, I don't know i can't speak for everybody as being a religious individual but let's just pretend for sake of argument that part of our societal family unit institution was based along a religious set of morals and values there are 10 rules for life not 12 like jordan peterson has laid out which are very good but i mean there are 10 that have followed us throughout time immemorial that should actually lay out a fairly good honor or code of conduct or code of chivalry um and maybe that's why that's under attack as well but there's at least one I, I have to disagree slightly. I, I don't disagree with your premise per se, but I disagree in the execution of that. And, and the, reason, the reason why I, do, I say that is because very few people actually have the Ten Commandments posted anywhere. Uh, so there, there, are plenty of, there are plenty of examples from, from psychology, et cetera, that show that if you want to do a goal, if you want to achieve a goal, one of the things to do is you write the goal down on a piece of paper and you put it somewhere. You put it in front of you. So you stare at it and you look at it and it's a reminder of, hey, I need to act this way or I need to, I need to make my actions move toward that goal. And if you hide it, there are plenty of, of examples where if you hide something like that goal, then you're not going to think about it. How many of us in companies put together our our learning plan or our growth plan or our goal plan for the year. And because it's in some electronic system somewhere, we don't look at it until we're told to go look at it because it's not in front of us. And so I would say that most people don't have the 10 commandments. And so they don't, they don't give two shits about the 10 commandments. They never think about it because it's not in front of their face. I think to go back to chivalry, I think you had coats of arms. I think you had so many symbols that you, that you had knights and such that were wearing these symbols. They were in the embodiment of these symbols that the code of chivalry, the code of honor was very much in front of your face in all things. Tell me, Jim, tell me how I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. But I also, I was thinking about, um, I think part of the issue too, and I think we saw that just on our discussion, I think honor means different things. I think it's a very malleable concept. And I think it means, different things to different people so my concept of honor even though it sounds like we have a lot of common ground in this group of five which is which is rare but good um i think it means a lot of different things to different people if you walked up to every joe below on the street and said hey what's honor to you you'd probably get 20 30 different answers Fair so it's, it's your question of like and i think jason does have a good point where you know i'll fully admit i'm not a particularly religious person but you look at the ten commandments and it's really a pretty decent way to live your life you know what oh, I mean? it is Totally whatever your belief structure is i mean it's if you live your life by the ten commandments you're going to have a pretty good life it's not like it, this is some weird wacko stuff it's straightforward stuff so but i don't and i don't think people really talk the last time i probably talked about honor and, and 
use the word honor and have this kind of discussion with us probably right now. I mean, it's not something that's really discussed. Too, I think that's part of it. People really don't put out, have honor, or this is how to live your life honorably. I'm not saying people don't, but it's not something, a, a common tale that people talk about in their day-to-day -day lives, which might be part I, of the problem too. And I think that's kind of sad. Jason, I know you're chomping at the bit. You want to jump back in there, so go no, back in there. No, no, no. Um, I, I, Honestly, I think we're all kind of like Jim saying, we're all kind of got some common ground, which is really quite awesome for five people for um, strangers yet not um, at least in our, <clears throat> our discussion here tonight. And, and again, like you said, Jim, um, you know, the 10 commandments, I don't think is necessary, even though, yes, there's obviously a religious connotation to that, but re yeah. regardless of your walk of life, if you can follow those 10 rules, yeah, I think you're going to come out okay in the end. Um, and Lucy, to your point, you know, um, you know, yeah, I could see if you had your 10 rules for life staring you at the face every time you brushed your teeth in the mirror in the window or in the morning when you did that, it'd probably be a good um, recapitulation of the rules that you want to live. So, yeah, uh, I guess to Don, to your point, not having those outlined for you um, could be a big part of that. But Interestingly enough, trying to define honor is almost impossible. I think we've actually come to that, even though we can grasp it at straws at, and at pieces and parts. Yet, the point that I think is, is probably more vital, as a society and as a group, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, without question, when somebody is acting dishonorably in our midst. That is without question. It's night and day. So I guess I'd like to pose that back. How is it we can take a concept so ambiguous and malleable as having honor where we can't necessarily define it black and white, and yet we know black and white without question when that rule or code of conduct has been violated? Wait, I think I blacked out there. Can you say that question again? Can you restate your question? <laughs> sure. You, I, I lost you in the rant. This is what you were saying about being short and pithy. Or maybe it was either that or maybe it was the wine is starting to kick in. Well, it could be could be a little bit of column A, a little column B. Could it, could it, yeah. With a concept like honor being as malleable and as fluid as it is, for, mm -hmm. that creates difficulty in us to be able to describe it succinctly in mm -hmm. a black and white format. Mm -hmm. Why is it that with that, even though we can agree on pieces and parts, we can unanimously agree that we know when somebody violates that and acts outside of that code of conduct without question? Okay. Don, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, as he was saying that, I, I started thinking of examples of that and uh, they would all be political. Um, and it occurred Again. to me that maybe uh um honor is putting others in front of yourself because every person that i think of that is absolutely not honorable would be someone i would think is being acting very uh, in a very self-serving manner okay pj what are your thoughts i was gonna say i, I did the same thing don i started thinking of not only just examples but we also see it when we see somebody stealing something and, and granted that is an honor idea, but you, you, you know, when somebody's doing something wrong without even questioning it, you go, 
what's going on? What's, what is, what are they doing? And I think we see it every day, but I think we've become almost numb to some of that ideas that we just kind of ignore it and pass it by because it's not going to make a difference if we speak up or say something. And I think it's been a big issue that we've all probably faced and we're like, man, could have said something. You think about it afterwards, but. Okay. Um, I, so I want to, I want to kind of evolve this topic just a little bit because I want to look at how all of this plays out in terms of just the general culture within Western society. So to give you a little bit of context on that, um, I don't know about y'all, but I follow a lot of things like video games and comic books and whatnot. And the comic book no. industry is an absolute disaster right now. The comic uh, book industry uh, like in America. It is. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> Take your like, pick. That was atrocious. You saw that. You you saw, saw that. that. It was atrocious. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Um, it, you you know you have Marvel and DC, the two biggest comic book publishers, for example, and they're bending over backwards, folding themselves into pretzels to create trans characters, of which the trans population is less than a tenth of a percent of all of society. They're bending over backwards to have people of color. Right? They're 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 doing all of these things to, in essence, the, the term is to be woke. And in many cases, they're trying to go out of their way. And it's not just Marvel and DC. We see it all the time in Hollywood. We see it in politics everywhere, in video games, etc. But it seems that there are so many producers of cultural things within our society that are bending over backwards to dismantle um, femininity Aha, say I could say I, even with the wine, I could say it. And masculinity. That's, the, the, same that's the problem. I need wine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's Next dismantling week. femininity and masculinity and trying to create something that doesn't it it, it it may exist as outliers, but it doesn't exist for the majority of society. And I think that so much of this is just absolute shit. So am I am I off base when I when I think about this? I, well, never. You were the first. You were the first person I messaged when I saw that the two leads in the High Republic were going to be gender neutral, non-binary twins. Was it? <laughs> and they're they're these amorphous blonde, no feature kind of thing. I, I mean, I, I get representation. I know that you know you can't. That, that you you don't want to have like just one certain type of person in the movie or whatever, but I see your point. Like, especially when I saw the cosplay Captain America, that's just such. It's total. Uh, if they and if they're doing it from yeah. a good place, I would also I my I would posit that they're not doing it from a good place. They're doing it to get paid because they know if they don't push these kind of characters forward, that all of a sudden it's going to be boycott this, boycott that. They think it will well, be that. Yeah, but uh, I think, unfortunately, the comic book industry, I think that's true. There's other cases where it's been proven not true, like like the Morgan Wallen thing where he probably makes more money now than he did before he got caught up for the, the video he did. Um, but generally speaking, in that, it's, and I think we had another discussion. Sorry, this is, I'm ranting here a little bit, so stop me. Um, 
we have the same discussion about how it's almost anathema to be a conservative gamer. Remember we had that, we were oh, yeah. talking about that, I think last week. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to say any names of any local game stores, but you know, it's almost like you walk in and come forth with a, any remotely conservative idea and you're not a white knight. It's like, you know, you don't deserve the right to be a gamer. And I just think it's that louder. I think that segment, though smaller, I don't know if they're louder or if they're just more effective in this specific industry as far as gaming and nerd bill goes. You know, that's what I think. I just think that there's more of that smaller segment in this specific area as far as the games and the video games and, and things like that. I think so it's a bigger percentage in that proportional in that, in that industry, I think, too. Well, and, and in, in the comic book realm, just to go back to that just really quick, I think that Marvel and DC think that they're going to make a lot of money or think that they're going to make up sales. I really do. I, but the reality is, is when you look at like the numbers, Japanese manga is destroying Western comic book sales. I mean, in, in the United States, Marvel or DC, they're excited if they sell 50,000 copies of a single issue in a month and manga is selling 500,000 copies in like a three month time span. I mean, they're just crushing it. In fact, latest manga titles, they can't print them fast enough. They've run out of paper. They literally, there is a paper shortage in the manga industry because they are selling to a rate of like 100 to one when compared to the Western comics, because Western comics are full of this absolute crap. So anyway, I didn't want to mean to get off on that whole thing, but TJ, what are, what are your thoughts on this whole cultural BS going on? Well, okay. So for those, those of us that aren't comic book nerds, bunch of nerds, <laughs> <laughs> You see it in all in all of uh, a lot of corporations out there. I mean, just take for example what's happening in Georgia. You've got the MLB moving the All Star Game out of uh, Atlanta, moving it to Denver. The only reason they did it was they probably make more money in Colorado. You've got more fans, and the only people they really hurt were the small businesses in the area. And then you had Coke and Delta saying the same thing, condemning these voting laws but i don't think a single person in either company has actually looked at what those voting laws do but they sit there and it's i can't remember what the actual term for it is but it's a it's when a corporation basically plays fan you know plays the fanfare and plays to that woke progressive idea but doesn't actually change anything it's just talking about it and then they turn around and continue to make just huge sums of money. Um, <laughs> ah! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this is the cosplaying Captain America. <clears throat> That's Keep going. But, uh, it, you know, you've got Delta and Coke, both huge companies that have condemned the, condemned the voting laws that are happening in Georgia. Uh, talking about it being racist and oppressive, and yet they continue to support, I think it's Delta specifically, that says they want to be China's biggest airline. And so then they're turning around and ignoring what's going on with the Uyghur Muslims back in China. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they're just playing to the American base 
that woke culture to say, well, you just got to talk loudly about it. You know, we declare it and therefore it's good. And on, I'll get a little nerdy on you. I actually liked uh, the uh, whole Red Skull thing comparison to Jordan Peterson and the new Captain America. Have you seen that? You you liked the comparison? I I liked Jordan Peterson's response. To it, he completely embraced it as Red Skull, which he did. He did. And I saw the picture where it says chaos and order, and I was like, Yeah, what's wrong with having some order, man? (laughs) He tweeted out, Hail Lobster. I thought it was freaking nice. That's perfect. With the the lobster hydra hybrid logo. That's awesome. No, I didn't see that, but uh, Hail Lobster. That that just is. Yeah, comparing Jordan Peterson, the mild-mannered Canadian, you know, psychologist to Red Skull, the Nazi Hydra. Was, that was fun. Jason, what are your thoughts on all this crap? Um, well, first, I, I think we found Jim's muse. Hmm. It rests in comic books and the fall of DC and Marvel. <clears throat> I saw him perk up when I said Red Skull. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't even I don't even read comic books as much anymore. It's just a speci- yeah. just being a, a nerd, which I'll fully embrace. Seeing, you know, and other things I can't get into because it involves people. That, but just seeing people <laughs> embrace this whole white knight attitude and things like that. You know, I rant on that for hours. But yeah, it's 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 interesting watching this all go down, especially as I'm a little less involved in the community than I used to be. Yeah, I I see a lot of. Um... I see a lot of virtue signaling by people out there and especially big companies right now. Um, you know, I, I picture kind of these, these woke crowds poking fun at Marvel and DC in a airplane and saying, you know, if you really supported our cause, you would jump. And you've got Marvel in DC trying to jump out of the plane without a parachute to see who can fall the fastest and splatter the biggest. All out of fear of being accused of not being down with the struggle, with whatever that is. And that's happening everywhere. TJ mentioned the, the, um, them moving the All-Star game out of Georgia. Well, that, that wasn't because they thought they were going to make more money in Denver. That's because they were under a little bit of pressure. And they felt that if they didn't make some sort of stand, not that I agree with their decision and their response by any means, because I think it's retarded, um, but they felt it was better to make a move than to stand their ground. And unfortunately, I think that's what our entire society is looking at right now, is they're trying to gauge out whether it's better to make a move and make a gesture of some sort an appeasement of some sort to all of the pressure that all the, I mean, I'm talking everyday people are getting from all of these woke groups, whether it's in regards to racism or wage or you name it. And they're trying to say, well, if I just say, I agree with this, then I don't have to stand my ground and fight against it. And it's tough. I get that, but we're, we're losing ourselves and our country i think that uh that pronouncement or or gauging out has already been done 10 years ago okay why do you say that because because this is not something that has that they've just started doing 
This is, uh, again, uh, this is, so I can't even verbalize how I feel about it. I, this is, <laughs> this is something that we've seen that, that, that we've seen incrementally starting and every company, all the large companies have all fallen to one side. Every single one of them. It's you don't see any companies uh, apart from like my pillow and and these these little little companies that are still headed by one person or or uh, or a, a very small group of people are are falling on the conservative side. It's all gone to the other side. And well, but but why though? Why why have they? Why have they picked that path? You know, the other day I saw a picture of Apple and Nike. I think it was in, in uh, Minneapolis. Two of their stores completely destroyed by Black Lives Matter. And yet both Apple and Nike have donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to the movement. Let's not, let's forget the fact that one of the founders bought millions of dollars worth of real estate. But these, these, these companies have tried to go woke by saying, look, Look at us virtue signal by donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to the cause. And then yet they get wiped out. Why would they? I mean, it doesn't even make sense to me. How, whoa, do, whoa, how do they whoa, square whoa. that? I'm sorry. I got, I got to stop you because I, okay. I think it's incredibly important. You are equating the people on mm -hmm. the ground who are raiding the stores mm -hmm. as you're, you're saying that that is the exact same as black lives matter the organization how are they different are you kidding me right now no i'm being honest how are they different because it was people on the street who started the movement and who started the ability to donate the money they they're literally one and the same no they're yeah. not how are they <laughs> then explain to me because the people that started the movement were the also people uh, you had a small core of people who were marching on the street. They started the BLM movement and they started the, the, the ability to give them money. They formed as an organization, but you literally had people who were participating in riots who are now founders of BLM and who got paid. So how are they different? Because you have an organizational overhead that operates as the BLM organization. They don't give two rats patooties what anybody else out there rioting is actually doing. And well, neither do the, those people out there actually rioting give two craps about what the organizational overhead people are actually doing with their money and who they're getting it from. Just the fact not. that they have it. So I, you're, I'm, I'm noticing what I'm pointing out is the disconnect of those two groups of people. So your, your premise was that because Apple and Nike gave BLM up mm -hmm. here, the corporate entity, a bunch of money, that information was supposed to filter down to the people who are raiding the stores that really do care where they're rioting and yes. where they're raiding. You uh -uh. don't think that you, the, the, organiza the, the organizations at least hope that. It's why the same companies put things on, put banners on the outside yes. of their buildings that say, we love you. We are on your side. Please don't come in and raid us. And then they come in and raid them regardless. Yes. Yes. But that's We're saying the same thing, Jason. Okay. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> not really. You're not. You're the the problem is that the BLM has has co-opted uh, the the rage that's out there in order uh-huh. to make a buck. Yes, they and, have absolutely. And and the the rage that's out there that quite frankly is being uh, fomented by the uh, one political party is 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 a good money maker for for these organizations. Well, the people it always has been. The people on the street aren't seeing any of the money. They're 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 you know they're just out there. But you still have the organization that does exist, and they're out there marching in front of, you know, in front of all these corporations. And corporations are bending over backwards to try to say, "Hey, black people of America, we love you. Please stay away from us." And then they get destroyed anyway. Yeah, well, yes. because be, because yeah. again, the the rioters don't care. I, I uh, pe- people acting in in concert are are notoriously hard to direct. So, sure. So how how would you if if you're going to get destroyed anyway? Why would you even side with them? Because I, there's a very vocal minority out there that will uh, always just shred you if you don't side with them and the people on our side the people that are on conservative side mm-hmm. don't speak up and say this is stupid we're not going to buy your product if you if you don't stop this but how do you explain chick-fil-a how do you explain chick-fil-a so a couple of years ago this is chicken sandwich A couple of years ago, the LGBT community, they said they were going to go out and they were going to protest all Chick-fil-A's, all Chick-fil-A's across the country. Conservatives went out in droves. I went out to try to buy a Chick-fil-A sandwich that same day, and there was a line around the block. I took pictures of it because it was unreal. Conservatives went out in massive support because the LGBT, those on the left, said we're going to boycott Chick-fil-A and we're going to stand in the way. And conservatives said, oh, hell you're not. So if you're an organization, why are you spouting? Why, why would you willingly spout? There's, we've now got three years worth of examples that siding with radical leftists is not good business. So why would you do it? Nathan, you're chomping at the bit. Go ahead. Why would you do it? Oh, I feel bad. But so... To answer your point, good sir, um, when was the last time you saw a city torn apart by the LGBTQRX, QRS, genderqueer, homophobe group? You haven't. That doesn't happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> so y- to get a conservative response in retort to the LGBTQR, uh, whatever the acronyms are, that doesn't shock me. And I'm, but, and I'm proud but of the that. cities that but, are burning. The cities that are burning are liberal leftist cities. They're not conservative yes. cities. Right. So again, again, to my point, guys, we're arguing the same thing. If you're an organization, <laughs> why would you be woke? Why would you do this? It doesn't make, if it makes zero, Jason, would you, you live in a liberal city. Would you put on your company on the outside of your office, please BLM don't come raid my office. Why would you not do that? No way would I do that. Why? 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 Actually, if I were to put something out there like that, it would probably just draw attention to it. And they go, oh, well, what's in there? I hadn't even thought about that place. Well, Um, hey, they won't prosecute. (laughs) 
they won't prosecute. That's that's actually a very good point. Um, no, the the to answer your question, it, it makes zero sense to align with any of this crap. And, and I've said that from the beginning. If unless if, there's something else out there that we are not privy to. Fair you enough. know, that's a possibility. I'm, I'm not going to say it's not, but I have to go with the, the universal human response that, that it's fear driven. And it's just a reaction out of fear of what the repercussions might be. And I know where you're going to go, Lucy, and I respect you for that. Don't, don't get me wrong, that we've already seen what the response is, even with you side with him. So what's the fear of not? Sure. And the only response I can give to that was it could have been worse. The answer is roof Koreans. That's what the answer is. The answer is roof Koreans. <laughs> Rooftop Koreans. <laughs> Jason, I think you're too young for this. In LA, during the LA riots after the Rodney King beating, roof, the, the Koreans in all the Korean districts, they said, you know what? You're not going to come and raid our, our companies. You're not going to come and raid our businesses. And so the Koreans went on rooftops with sniper rifles and they started picking off, seriously, they started picking off the rioters and they became a force to be reckoned with. And now you have Koreans who proudly wear t-shirts that say roof Koreans established 1992. Jim, what are your thoughts? You were in California. I was, actually I was in, in 92, I was in, uh, yeah, I was in California. I was up in San Francisco. The, the answer is roof Koreans. The answer that is, is the Korean. answer to this. Uh, well, this, this whole topic took a real turn, didn't it? Uh, Welcome to the Fusion Underground, gentlemen. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think, I, I and this could be uneducated, but I really think that this uh, up to up to recently, the spoken minority has a lot more power than I think we realize. And I'm not going to spot off cliches like cancel culture, but you know, it, I think people are honestly scared if they say something that goes against the the woke agenda that there's going to be some sort of a firing squad. But I also think that I think you're seeing people start to have enough that, and I don't want to repeat myself, but just like I don't know why it's top of mind, but this more whole Morgan Wallen thing, right? Isn't his album still number one right now, or if not, yeah. it's really close after he got so. dropped yeah. for for drinking, drinking with his boys and dropping N-bombs. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think you're beginning to finally see people saying, you know what, we don't. It goes back to, I know it's getting canceled now, but when Last Man Standing uh, got canceled the first time, it was a quite, and, and the implication, it wasn't ever directly said, but there was a lot of things leading to the fact that might've been uh, for ideological reasons. And there was, it's something, it's a TV show, which in the grand scheme of things isn't a huge deal, but there was a, a very loud vocal response to that cancellation that actually got them re that got the show restarted again. Yeah, from the conservative think, side. Yeah. So I think you're seeing, and I think I think a lot of it. One of my favorite topics, you know, moderates being one. Um, I think that you're starting to see those, you know, you know those those angry moderates that you know we've been talking about before. I think they're finally starting to say this is kind of dumb. You know, so I, I think that you're going to see more and more responses like the Morgan Wall response, I think, in the future, like, okay, well, you're canceling this. Okay, well, we're going to support it. I think you are seeing more of that. Like, 
like I'm not buying Coke well, I'm going to buy Coke. You know, I'm not doing this. Okay, well, we're going to do this. I think you're starting to see more activity on both sides versus just the one side. So is there a difference between cancel culture and boycotting, TJ? That's a good question. You know, I've seen that come up quite a bit. I, I, I haven't really honestly thought about it. Boycotting, I think, is just, I mean, you're... you're Boycotting, I think, is done more by like your conservatives type. I, I think you, you we talk about you know not buying certain products, not uh, not uh, going to certain places. Where I think the cancel culture is the more social media, more leftist driven idea, where you just don't you, you bring up all the dirt about somebody, and you just try your best to, I guess, unmarked make them unmarketable. Um, I, I haven't really thought about it. So I, I guess I, I don't have much of an opinion on it. All right, Jim. I think, I think the main difference is, is I don't like how you do this. So I'm not going to buy your product versus I'm going to go through 20 years of Twitter's responses to find one thing you said. Right. Like that dude who played a elongated man in the flash, right? Yeah. Posted some weird crap like 10 years ago and now he's off yeah. the show or James yeah. Gunn. Yeah. That thing. James Gunn, who was with Troma, and yeah, scarily enough, he posted weird stuff being with a weird horror company, you know, and he got fired and you know from his show. So I think the difference is there's stuff I won't buy because I don't like the way they do things. But do I, sure. you know? But I think it's me me going through your Twitter and trying to find something you said wrong 20 years ago and trying to not just not buy your product but actively ruin your life. I think that's the difference. Right, I, I equate. Everybody has the right not to buy product. I mean, if you told me I'm not buying this because of whatever, I'm like, that's cool. You have the right to do that. You can spend your money however you want. Of course, I I, I equate cancel culture to being like Al Capone in the movie The Untouchables, where he says he wants to find Elliot Ness. He wants to kill him. He wants to kill his family. He wants to right. burn his house down to the ground. He wants to go to the middle of the night and piss on the ashes. That's cancel culture. Boycott is like I'm got, I'm not going to buy your product. Which everybody has a right to boycott. Which, which everybody is. has a right to do. And 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 the difference is, and it's not just I want you to get fired from your show. It's I want you to never work in anything ever again, again. Make any sort of money or be able to provide for you or your family. Because I mean, you dropped an epithet in one of your tweets. Yeah, you you actually have people on Twitter who are trying to go after young boys, young men who are graduating high school who happen to be conservative, and they're trying they're doing everything that they possibly can to ensure that those young men do not get a college education, that they're banned from every single university in the Western, in the Western culture. So that because these people believe that if you're a conservative, you're racist, you're a fascist, therefore you are literally stopping a fascist from becoming a future doctor, lawyer, et cetera, to continue to perpetuate the spread of fascism. That's what they think. I think you so even that happened where I think it was a high school girl. Uh, one of her friends record, or one of the guys in her class recorded her um, singing some rap song, and she dropped a, uh, said the N word, and yep. he brought it up and waited until she got a scholarship. He yep. saved it. And he, saved it. he saved it. I mean, it For was like three years. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. And brought it up. So, and then she lost her scholarship. And granted, other colleges I think stepped in to try to give her more another scholarship, but it wasn't the school she wanted, but I think she did end up getting something. 
And I guess that plays to the mm. other of there is still companies out there. There are still universities and people and trying to, you know, stop the cancel culture idea. I think it's, it's reassuring to know that there's all these perfect people out here finding faults with everybody too. That's what really cheeses me off about the whole thing. Cause all these people like hunting, they've never done anything wrong their entire life. I think that's the best part. So we, at least we know yeah. we have all these 100% virtuous people that are going to carry on, you know, once we've all been canceled. So I think that's, that's reassuring to say the least. There, there was an old Catholic joke that said um, that, you know, Jesus came across people who were, they were stoning this prostitute stoning her to death and he said he he got them all to stop and he said you know he who he who is born without sin should be the only person to throw a stone and a stone comes flying over and hits the prostitute right in the head and he turns around and says mom i hate when you do that (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know according to christian mythology she was the only person born without original sin even Christ himself was born with original sin, and that's why he had to be baptized. We're into Catholic mythology. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Good to hear from you, Don. I love it. <laughs> Chime in, Murad. <laughs> so I, I think that, uh, that you may find that a lot of this is tracing back to uh, the end of World War II and the bringing over of a bunch of people from uh, from Germany and and that that came and started becoming professors and all that, which is when we lost our 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 education system. Because if you if you look at some of the backgrounds here, you probably look at the people who are running these big con- these these big companies that are that are going woke regardless of the of the ramifications. They're they're probably all right around. Uh, uh, Woodstock era, um, or a little later, uh, in college, that type of thing. And you've got, uh, we've got several generations now of people who, who were, were raised on the Solinsky type model, uh, educated on the Solinsky type model. And now it's completely infiltrated every one of the higher learning education uh, sources that we have out there, at least all the big ones. So that's an interesting point. And Lucy, I'm going to actually turn a question over to you since you deal with um, company executives on a fairly regular basis. Uh, You know, uh, is this something that, that you're not trying to get you to call out any of the companies you work for, but is there something in the, I guess, makeup of that, of those organizations that tends to lead to Don's point that a lot of these companies actually due to their executive leadership, being from that particular area, having the college degrees coming out of those institutions, potentially influence that are actually causing these types of reactions. I mean, you were talking about why would a company agree or go woke if it's obviously a contrary to their interests. Well, you work with some of these um, individuals and these companies more than us. Why, why do you feel that is what, what do you see? In that area, well, I think I think a lot of executives are were were taught that, and there's a lot of truth to this, uh, but a lot of executives were were taught how um, if you build social rapport, if you have social outreach, that it will solidify your country's growth or your country your company's growth and profitability for a long term, 
there's a lot of research that shows a company that is socially conscious can survive economic downturns better than companies that are not socially conscious. Okay, and so there's now an incentive there to at least do something that is socially conscious. And I think that's why you have companies that are donating to BLM. On its surface, BLM sounds fine. On its surface, it sounds completely fine. It's when you start getting into and peeling back the onion layers and you realize that it's Marxist ideology that you go, whoa, wait a minute. I think a lot of Apple and Nikes and things around the, wor around the world, I think they donated to BLM far too early before they realized what the organizations were about. So I think they sort of hung themselves. I think if they could go back in time, they would undo that. But there are a lot of companies that there's nothing, they want people to be accepting of other cultures. They want people to experience other cultures and everything. And I think companies are taking more of a sort of a relaxed role to it. They're not being so in your face about it now, but they're encouraging people to be accepting. They want that. There's nothing wrong with that. And so I think, I think companies are starting to sort of change a little bit, but I think it goes back to the social responsibility and building that social rapport. That's why these companies do these kinds of things. Do you think you're ever going to see a company make that change? I mean, you see like the NBA when it did the BLM slogans in the middle of the court slogans on the back of the jerseys. And they saw, I think it was like 65% drop in ratings. I mean, are you see companies ever make that change back? And well, we're already, yeah. does it present making that change? Yeah, well, we're already seeing that come, come back. And the NBA has already come back and said, new season, we're not going to do any of this kind of woke stuff. We're going to take the names off the jerseys again. They, they're correcting that. I mean, the free market is an amazing way to make a fast correction. I think Hollywood is more slow to this. And the reason why I say that is because if you're producing, if you're producing a film and you, you typically will, will green light three to five films a year and you're dealing with films over a three to five year time span. So the movies that were supposed to be released in 2020, well, they were greenlit back in, you know, five years prior or three years prior back in 2017, et cetera. So when they were going woke back in 2016, 2017, et cetera, it's taking a long time to get out of that. So I, and I think there are still films that were being greenlit as early as 2020. And so I think we're still going to see this Hollywood wokeness come about for a few more years while, while they quickly correct course and get away from that. I think, six, seven, eight years down the pipeline, I don't think we're going to see that as much. Hollywood's still going to be leftist, don't get me wrong, but I think they're going to, I think they're going to tone down the rhetoric. Jason, what are your thoughts on all that? Um, no, I think we'll see, we'll see some course correction, but it's just a matter of how much and to what degree. Um, yeah. I, I, I've said for a while that with every, every time we hear another another company caving to, to this idea, another group, another this. And every time we hear that, what we don't hear about is one more company, one more person, one more group say, that's the last straw. That's it. 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to appease anymore. I'm not going to stand up for this anymore. I'm not going to take it anymore. Because those are typically done, I guess, kind of on, on, on a personal level. I've reached my breaking point. The next time somebody comes up to me and says, what do you think about this? I'm going to lose it, but I'm, I'm just done. I'm over it. And so I think, I think that flow of money and influence is going to trickle down or trickle to a stop or at least trickle to a very slow trickle. Um, because there are those companies and people who are saying, uh, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I mean, look at, it's the same response to the, to the COVID stuff. I mean, frankly, it's like, okay, I played along. I went around with the whole crap for this long. I wore the mask. I did the thing. I washed the face and, you know, hand sanitize and no touching your genitals for 10 minutes or whatever the heck the rules were and stay 20 feet apart. I don't care, but I'm done. I got to go to work. I'm going out of my house and I'm going to go back to my restaurant that I know and love. And I'm going to see, you know, Flo and whoever else is going to serve me dinner and I'm going to eat and enjoy my time out with my family. And that's the way it's going to be. They had enough. You know, I, I'm getting really, I was sick of COVID last June. I started uh, in, in February. I was over it. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> really, I'm really tired of, I'm really tired of it, especially when I watch TV, I'm still watching some, uh, you know, modern or recent shows, I guess. And in some, in some cases, the characters are still wearing masks. And, and I'm like, why are you, why are you wearing masks? I, I, I hate the fact it's a reminder that we're in this COVID thing and I watch TV to get away from every day. I want it to be an escape and I'm getting a little bit, a little bit tired of it. Do you guys share any of those experiences? No, I don't know what, I don't know what TV you're watching. So no, I don't, I don't have Jim, what, what? <laughs> Well, without getting into much detail, my, I've, I've lived, slept, breathed and. Oh yeah. You have. COVID. Yeah. You um, and Jason. Yeah. I, I currently manage an unnamed contact tracing center. Mm. And before that, I was an operations manager for a government agency when the surge hit. So my whole life has been COVID since January. So I'm so done. I, I'm just done. Yeah. It, it, it's been my whole life. And, and I see things getting better. But then I also see, you know, I'm waiting for like, we have to wear we're all going to be like John Travolta and the boy in the bubble. We're all around in our freaking, you know, quadruple masking with four bubbles and, you know, bathing and hand sanitizer because there's 27 variants we haven't heard of yet, you know. Now, that's all of us but TJ. He's the only one here. He, he hasn't been affected by COVID, like, at all. So you can all feel free to flip him off as you see fit. <laughs> oh, I'll just flip him off just because. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, I, I know we, we've, we're running long here, but what I want to ask each of you and take, take some time to, to think and to answer this, but go, kind of going back to the whole concept of, of masculinity and honor and that sort of thing, what is it that when you look at society today and culture today, is there anything that you are looking for to help you understand or get better at being men in general? What is it that you need to be a better man in today's feminism, postmodern, me too, woke, LGBTQA, we hate your guts type of 
type of society that we live in. Jason, I'm going to actually start with you on that. Of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about how, how does masculinity play a role in, in our society with all this other stuff that we've been talking about. So um, I understand the tie in, in where you're going with this question, but you know, for me, I like to think that I'm, I'm always striving to be a better man in my daily life and I'm striving to be a better father for my son so that he could be a better man in my stead when I'm old and gone. I'm fortunate, I think, in that I'm, I surround myself with like-minded men who I know will be there for me when I stand up for the values and principles that I believe in. So if I had to put it to test to society, what do I need from society in order for me to be a better man is I, I would say, recognize that masculinity is a quality. It's an asset, not a detriment. And instead of trying to step on me for being a man, stand with me and be one with me. And I believe that we as men need to know that there are literally millions of other strong, good men in this country willing to stand up for what is right. But we have to know that there are others who are going to stand there with us. Nobody likes to be on an island. And we're not. We're not. All right. Don, what are you looking for? Um, I'm looking to find what they what society tends to want, so I can go the absolute opposite way. Because I'm just I, I'm done. I'm I'm done giving in to what the, what they want. I'm done giving in uh, giving in to uh, what everybody else thinks I need to be. I'm gonna do it the do it the way I was raised. I'm gonna raise my kids the way that. Uh, that I was raised and I'm going to keep on telling them that if you wear a dress, you're going to, not going to live in my house. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's the way it Good is. For you. Uh, I, 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 I had this conversation with my oldest son at one point and, and told him, I, I'll still love you, but I'm not going to approve of it. And that's just the way it is. All right. DJ. So I think something that we've all kind of talked about, but we haven't really, talked about was also femininity i think that's a big part of what also makes us masculine um, without a counterpart of our wives you know we always say our better half our you know they are what make us into better men you know in giving us support helping raise our children taking care of the house you know i'm sure all of us that have wives also they also go to work and help us to maintain the household. But I think that's also a big part from society is not just the masculinity, but the femininity part of it in making the whole part of being a man. You can't be fathers without the what? No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying without, without the femininity, we don't really have the masculinity. You don't have the counterpart. I, I agree with that. I'd like everybody on to say hi, Amanda, because she's, she's not standing she's there. Going she's to, in 
No, she's going to listen to this later. So that was a good plug, but I, Thanks, you're not wrong. Okay. Jim, what about you? Um, part of, part of what I think about it, and Jason kind of touched on it too, is I, it's a, it's a thing where I don't think, even though they're a vocal minority, they're not, it's not like it's going to just go away one day. So I think I would ask for the same understanding from them that they expect from me, if that makes sense. Because, you know, if we question one thing, well, I don't understand why you would act this way, then it's not just, oh, let me, let me educate you. It's, oh, well, you're a bigot and this and that and the other thing. You know what I mean? So I would expect the way they want us to understand them, I would expect them to understand us the same way. That, and kind of the, what TJ talked about, differences are good. I, you know, that, like you said, the masculine and the feminine, that's good. That's a good thing. People being different is good. And if there's people out there that I don't understand how they live their life or what they do, that's cool. That difference is good for them. It's just, I have this fear and this goes back to, uh, do you guys, have you ever watched the South Park episode? This is an old one where they have the non-denominational Christmas, uh, minimalist Christmas uh, uh, recital composed by Philip Glass. With all, like, Philip Glass, and, yes. Yeah, where they all spun this, wore great jumpsuits and spun in a circle and just like hummed. <laughs> that's, I don't, I know this is an extreme view, but it almost feels like that's the way that certain people want us to be. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, I don't want to quite say hive mind, but it's like, you know, you know, think exactly like us or you're wrong. And even though I have very strong beliefs, if somebody believes differently, I don't condemn them. I don't think they're a horrible person unless it's like a really bad deviation. But <laughs> it seems like the other side is like, if you don't think exactly this way, you're not redeemable. It's not like, oh, there's a difference. It's like, you're just 100% wrong and done. And I think that's, I don't think we'll get that works. I, I don't think we'll get quite to that extreme because I don't, I, I still think it's a vocal minority, but that's kind of my underlying fear is like slowly seeing parts of your identity getting stripped away for this because you have to believe a certain way. Otherwise you're wrong. And I, I don't like, I don't like that at all. Cause my, I'm, I'm a pretty unique individual. I like to think my son is, and I'd hate to see that stripped away from him because he needs to, you know, wear a great jumpsuit and not sing about Christmas, you know? So, Jim, I got to ask you just a follow up to your thought, because <clears throat> I, I would ask the same thing. You, you want me to be understanding and open and accepting, and I'm all for that. And I think all people should be. But it seems that that line of thinking and that openness is not reciprocal ever. Do you have any reason to believe any or any evidence to believe that that is going to be possible? Because I, I just don't see that kind of openness and willingness actually happening in our society right now. I see, I see fragments of it. I have things in my life that, uh, not in my personal life, but in my extended life where I have gender neutrality things going on and things like that with family members. So I've actually developed an understanding just because I've... I always like to learn and I get really inquisitive. Just ask me about Scientology someday. I get really inquisitive. I just start diving into stuff. So as soon as somebody in my family was like, had that happen, I just start, okay, what's going on with this? And I, cause I wanted to understand it. Cause I like, they're still a person to me. You know what I mean? They're not like 
it's not like, oh, well, you're out of my life forever because you feel this way. And I've met people of, you know, particularly on the LGBTQ side that are, you know, I've met conservatives on that side of the, of the street. I think that there is some portions of that, of that community that would actually do want to, it's not the think like we wear or think like we do or go away. I think there is some understanding. There's always going to be that minority though. And I think, I don't know if it's growing or not, but I think it's always going to be there. And there's going to be radicals that just never want to hear what you have to say and my way or the highway type stuff. I don't know if that even answered your question or not, but I felt like No, you did. You did. <laughs> At least if nothing else, you, you laid out a, uh, a lining of hope, which I, I, I'm hopeful that we'll find some neutrality and, and some at least common ground to be able to have um, straightforward conversation with each other. I, I mean, there's, there's never been any reason I've ever shied away from a disagreement because there's always something to be learned from both parties. That's just because you have an opinion about everything. Well, I get, I garner opinion out about everything. Doesn't mean I always have one. Thank you very much. But... <laughs> Thank you, TJ. Appreciate that. So, but even in a discourse, just because we discuss something and we share opposing ideas, that doesn't mean we have to agree and we can still no. part disagreeing and part as, as friends or at least not trying to kill each other. Right. But when I hear people of, of certain views saying that if you disagree with me or you think differently than me then we you guys need to be re-educated and that means actually gathering you up and sending you to a, a particular institution where Gulag. we can i didn't say that you did we can did. educate you to think like i do that does not sound like i want to have open and honest discourse about why we may see this situation mm -hmm. differently um, but I agree with you. I think there are people who are reasonable on both sides who can actually talk about it, unfortunately. And I, and I do think it is a very vocal minority, but they're talking some very dangerous stuff, which is very scary. All right. Well, good job, everybody. Thank you. Really. I, I really want to thank each one of you for coming on the show. Um, I don't know about you. I had a lot of fun. Um, Jason, I know Jason, he always has fun. He makes his own fun. He's just a little ball of fun all the time. I just so, like poking at you. Yeah, he likes poking <laughs> at me. Yes, he does that very well all the time. We we want to do this again in the future. We want to do this like kind of as a recurring theme every few months, um, get, a, get, get some folks on. So we'll, we'll probably send out a, an invite again. We'd love to have each one of you on the show to, to go at it again. Um, maybe we'll talk about some, some different topics at that, at that point. Uh, or, or maybe just have some time to see how your thoughts have evolved over the top, over the over the past several months. At that point, to see have you come to any new conclusions, anything along those lines. So I, I'll actually I got a challenge for all three of you, Jim, Jim, Don, and TJ. So I'm sure this next week, when you're listening to this again, there'll be some things that we started talking about, but we never came to fruition on. So I would ask a favor, whatever it is, you go, oh, you know what we really should have talked about, or here's where we really should have gone off into this tangent. Let Lucy or I know, and we can either discuss it or we'll have you back so that we can follow up with that thought again. I think that would be a, a really cool follow-up. Yeah, I like it. I love it. 
All right. So you didn't say that was going to be homework. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not a test. With but, Lucy, you know, there's always homework. <laughs> yeah. Could have True. been. It could have been worse. It could have been a test. So again, thanks for everybody. Thanks everybody for the for appearing on the show. TJ for Don for Don TJ and Jim uh, for Jason. Uh, I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Peace. We're late. <laughs> Thank you.